The Burning Times by A.R. Braun. Which witch was which? They wouldn't know a sorcerer if one bit them in the patoot. The year was 1527. As Glenwood Ferdinand sat by the hearth with his beautiful wife, Frida, they just feasted on beef cutlets, stewed potatoes, truffles, and wine. They cuddled and were as cozy as newlyweds when the Puritan crusaders burst into the hut and seized Frida. See here, Glenwood said, running after them. What do you seek from her? Bennett's, one of the crusaders said. She's being charged with witchery. What? Glenwood knew his wife wasn't a witch. Now look, sirs, my wife hasn't ever been involved in wrongdoing, even in her heart, from the day we wed. Insolence, the crusader said. Would you that we arrest you too? Glenwood lunged at the crusaders, endeavoring to stop them, and they knocked him from them so that he bounded from the wall. Then they drew their swords against him. Get back, fool, lest ye die! As they departed, he cried, My wife is not a witch! God visit you for this, and may you burn in the lowest catacombs of hell! Then he dropped prostate in vigilant petition to God and wept bitterly. Glenwood had been raised in a strict religious family with two loving parents, Sir Noah Iyer Ferdinand and the love of his life, Lady Yvonne Harcourt, who became Lady Yvonne Ferdinand in an elegant wedding in 1500 in front of the whole village of Salem, Massachusetts. Shortly after the first two years of their marriage, she had given birth to Glenwood Ira Ferdinand, whom Noah cherished as the firstborn, and to whom he had given his middle name for nostalgia's sake. Later, Yvonne had given birth to all girls, making Glenwood Noah's favorite child bred of the stock. Now a 25-year-old laborer at the mill, Glenwood wandered to his parents' hut in abject misery. He had always been a happy child, inventive as to what games he played with the local children, and beaming under his father's doting wings, but from birth fated to an arranged marriage to a voluptuous redhead he admired in their local parish, who formerly had been flat and plain, but had blossomed vivaciously in her teens, much to his delight. The Presbyterian Church was the foundation upon God's rock where their values were built, and since she was also a member of the Presbytery, he was wrapped with her. Glenwood thought he knew happiness before, but had found that he now knew the true meaning of ecstasy not only sexually, but also from the pining of his heart, for the two were never apart, 
always hand in hand in the village, in the forest, by the stream in the countryside, and sometimes clandestinely in the stables when all were in bed, but especially by the hearth of their hut, which their love transformed into a veritable palace of passion. Walking along the dirt road on the way to his parents' home, Glenwood ignored his friends, whom gave him hearty greeting, also asking where his wife was, declaring that they'd never seen them apart. And what if he had to live without her? He couldn't go back to the simpleton games he played as a lad. Moreover, Glenwood and Frida had always wanted children. They'd always had similar interests. How was that supposed to happen now? How his heart ached at being estranged from her for the first time in two years! As he knocked on his parents' door, they answered, but were stiff-necked, his father standing in the threshold, and his mother behind him. Oh, father, he said, the crusaders have taken my sweet Frida away. His father scowled, as did his mother. You're no son of mine, he said sardonically, marrying a witch. But father, you've known her from day one, and you arranged. The door was shut in his face. Glenwood dropped to his knees in agony. His heart felt like it was not only breaking, but also imploding. Everything he worked for, everything that he lived for, was gone, for women accused of witchery were rarely found innocent around hence. He realized there was no way he could live without her. When he'd been alone for too long, he'd commit suicide. Vehement fury now welled up within him, and he stomped off to the town constable's quarters. Busting through the door, he demanded justice forthright. Now see here, constable! My wife Frida is not a witch! She has been an active member of the Presbytery her whole life and has never been involved and even an arcane blasphemy her whole 18 years. An old, fattened curmudgeon, the head constable leaned forward from his plate of chicken and spat at him words that would not redeem. We have reports from the local children, especially the Vanderbilt brood, that she has been tormenting them with spells and that they've all been sexually violated. Glenwood rent his clothes and ran at the fat bastard and the other officers, only to be tossed out the door onto his posterior. There he wept even more bitterly and felt that, if possible, he'd die from sorrow or dry up from lack of water. When he returned home at three o'clock in the morn, he went to his bed, 
only to be interrupted by a wanton vision of a towel-headed girl, the daughter of a local woman who worked at a shop in Salem selling satin and silk. The maiden's name was Viola Hawkins, and she was a perfect nymph in face, figure, and in voice, which had a chirpy high cadence. The girl was 18. As was customary in a lot of the families at this time, a child was taught chores so that she was qualified to run a household, and in fact she had two brunette sisters that were 18 also, Kitty and Katie, two natural beauties. In his vision, Viola removed her clothing. No, wench! I mustn't give way to temptation, he said. I must fleece in. In the vision, the two smaller sisters kept him hence with staves, saying, Back, Linwood, back. Do not try to flee. They are going to hang your wife, and you're going to let us come hence, because we know the true meaning of tantric fornication. I am the witch, Viola said. I am the one they are after, and yet they make your wife their captive. What does that say for your beloved Christianity? They are hypocrites, not true believers. Bosh, Viola said. Then where are the true believers? Everyone in the presbytery believes your beloved wife is a witch, and none believe you. My God, he said, weeping. It's true. Christianity is a lie. Then she took him, and was a better lover than his wife had ever been, with bigger pear-shaped tits, and she moaned louder and with more liveliness than his wife, towering volubly above Frida's mere parlance. Then she let her sisters join in for a vile foursome that included Kitty and Katie engaging in lesbianism betwixt each other, whilst Viola ravished the young man's body as he'd never dreamt possible. And then a four-way orgy. This went on for days, the most rapturous days of his life, until the time came for him to meet with the sisters in person on the day of his wife's scheduled hanging. In the morn, there came a knock upon his door. He opened it to see thrice beauty. Good morning, Glenwood, Viola said. It's time. My God, Glenwood said. The three of you look even more ravishing than in my visions. That is the true meaning of visions, sir, to cause pleasure, Viola said. Walk with us. He rose threw on his terry cloth garb, and followed them. As they walked, they conversed. When I say good morn, it should be spelled with a U, Viola said, for today is the day they will hang your wife. Glenwood forked an anxious look at her. They have to purge her from sins, since she's already been purged of, Kitty said. For today... They may hang your wife till she dies, Katie added, but she shall be taken to Utopia from the mire. Glenwood stopped, dropped to his knees, and weeping, 
said, I can't watch such a spectacle. My Frida hung by the neck. The three girls bent down and hugged him. Glenn White, Viola went on. I assure you this day, your wife's suffering will end, and she shall be luckier than you, taking her place in paradise. Come, we will be with you. They took him up and went to the hanging, watching from the back of the crowd so as to not be seen. When Frida's time came, the girls held him, comforting him, and as the floor went out from under his wife, the girls reached under his cloak and played fiddlestick with his member. Bizarrely, he was in sexual rapture while his wife hanged himself ejaculating as she asphyxiated. Then the wenches bade him to come with them into the woods, where they had a secret circle of rocks and a cast-iron cauldron. Whilst the cauldron was fired up, he was given their book of shadows, with which he conjured the dark spirit, the chief demon, whilst the wenches danced wittershins, chanting, During this ritual, Glenwood and the Hawkins sisters had an orgy in person this time, the girls engaging in bisexual incest with one another while fornicating with him, and they poured pig's blood over each other's hides. Glenwood accepted his perversion, and since the Puritans had hung his wife, he allowed himself to become the very witch they'd accused his late spouse of being. The gargoyle, the witch's guardian, watched over the foursome and protected the coven from being detected by the crusaders, and spells caused the sickness and untimely deaths of those said inquisitors for falsely accusing and murdering Glenwood's wife. Glenwood eventually took hand-fasting vows with Viola, being involved in Satanism and orgies with the three sisters for the rest of his gay days.